Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, Guide for Daily Meditation and Prayer Around God's Word. It is Tuesday, May 30th, 2023. I hope you all had uh, a great weekend and uh, Memorial Day. Of course, we're still in the season of Pentecost and we celebrate, should, I've mm, tried to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost uh, with as much uh, joy and attention as we can. So today is Pentecost Tuesday, it's an appointed feast day of the church, and uh, we'll be hearing some continued readings of the Old Testament and Epistle for this day. All right, uh, I'm going to expand actually the second reading, the reading from Acts, as we did yesterday, uh, so that you can hear the fuller context of what's going on there. One note before we begin. Um, Donning and Karen uh, received news, news last night that Karen's brother David, David Gady, um, died in the Lord last evening. I know he'd been um, in nursing care for a while, for a few years now, I think. So keep uh, the Pfeifers in your prayers, as we will here as well. Uh, no, no news on preparations yet. I'm sure there'll be a meeting today or tomorrow or soon uh, to make those preparations. All right. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Psalm, our psalm for this week, a psalm from Sunday. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness answer me in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul, he has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore my heart faints within me, my heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old, I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you, my soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love you will cut off my enemies, and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul, for I am your servant. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Let's say our memory verse for the week. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. John 14, verse 26. 
And then the explanation to the third article fitting for this week and the focus on the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith in the same way. He calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. Okay. Uh, greetings to those of you checking in in the chat. We've got uh, Michael's on YouTube. Mom is uh, on Facebook, says Terrific Tuesday. Nice. Vicky and Gus and Eileen are on YouTube. Karen, Lori, um, they're on Facebook. Oh, Don and Karen are there on YouTube. All right. And then Chris is on Facebook. I didn't see checking in. Uh, Mom asked the question, what group is singing? So the, um, the music you heard when we began uh, were two pieces by uh, the Trinity Sheboygan fifth through eighth grade treble choir. Um, they had their spring or Easter concert, uh, and uh, I thought it'd be fun to go and record it. Uh, learned a few things about recording in the space. It was at uh, Holy Name Cathedral in Sheboygan, so uh, they needed a bigger room for what they were seeking to do than uh, Trinity. So a lovely music program there, uh, worthy to be emulated. All right, good. So, um, our Old Testament reading for this day is from Isaiah 32. Because the palaces will be forsaken, the bustling city will be deserted, the forts and towers will become lairs forever, a joy of wild donkeys, a pasture of flocks, until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruit field, fruitful field, and the fruitful field is counted as a forest. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. The work of righteousness will be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation and secure dwellings and in quiet resting places, though hail comes down on the forest and the city is brought low in humiliation. Blessed are you who sow beside all waters, who send out freely the feet of the ox and the donkey. All right. Um, this is a lovely resolution to the indictment we heard from Ezekiel in our Sunday Bible study. If you weren't able to be there, you can go and watch or listen um, on the various uh, platforms linked down below. And uh, in particular, the end of chapter 22 had the land being um, corrupted by the sin of the kings and the priests and, and prophets and the people. And of course, this connects well with Genesis uh, chapter three and the curse pronounced against Adam, of course, was a curse of the ground. So when we see throughout the Old Testament, we see God's people are restless, uh, meaning they find no place to rest, right? That's one of the ways it's expressed. Even when they're brought into the promised land, Canaan, even there they don't find rest. They're a constant war with their neighbors around them and within, right? Rebellion and whatnot within. So throughout the Bible, we find that um, there's this constant hoping and, and looking for a return to, to Eden, if you prefer, put it that way, right? A place for peace and rest and comfort and hope and 
um, no sorrow and, and misery and all of these sorts of things. Right? And generally, I think Christians view that as as heaven, uh, whatever that, however they understand um, that phrase, heaven as a place, um, new heavens and new earth, to quote the Apocalypse of John. Here in Isaiah, we have the Spirit who gives the gospel, the forgiveness of sins, the right that is righteousness, actually making manifest even now, at least in time, and, the, and of course in completion in eternity, a restoration of the land, so that the land that one dwells in is also uh, fruitful. So uh, Christians sometimes forget this, that by uh, their sin corrupts not only themselves, but those around them, um, especially their congregation, but also their community, um, their workplace, their family, right? That sin is never alone. It's never individual or private. It always is corporate. Uh, but it also affects um, even um, the land. So, for example, here would be a, an easy kind of metaphor for you. Um, the violent man always has a violent dog. <laughs> so, um, or the cowardly man has a cowardly dog, right? I mean, this is the, the animal, the pet, reflects the master. I mean, now, According to the scriptures, all the earth, all the earth reflects um, the people. Right? So you'll see um, Chris is here and she says, um, what is meant by send out freely of the ox and the donkey? Right, that they'll, they'll, they'll go out into pasture and they'll return back home is what that means. So even creation is, a, is obedient to the order of, um, that it's been placed in, right? And of course, right now it's our, largely our experience is order um, but we also see a fair amount of disorder and chaos and animals um, not obeying their master and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, we also want that. We want peace and comfort. And so my point is, is that the effect of the forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus, that is of righteousness, is quietness and assurance now. And also, um, that that forgiveness then has its way of manifesting and the spirit, the spirit's working through that forgiveness as its way of manifesting in a renewal of of everything around you. So your relationships to other people, um, your workplace. That if you live in the forgiveness of sins, um, it will bear fruit in patience and kindness and gentleness and self control and the promises of the spirit uh, quoted by Paul there. Uh, but also, this is the harder thing to kind of get our head around that even the earth will obey us because of the righteousness of Christ dwelling in us. Mm. All right. Um, so <laughs> this is something you just have to tease this thought out um, throughout the day is that um, is that living faithful and faithfully in the forgiveness of sins will have its have its effect in all your relationships, but also your interaction with the rest of the world, even the physical world, not even necessarily people. Hmm. Think about that. But that's the promise here from Isaiah. Um, you could take it all metaphorically if you want, um, but then you would have to take metaphorically the curse against the ground from Genesis 3, right? And we don't take that metaphorically, you see. So the renewal of the ground is not a metaphor. Um, Israel understood this, by the way. So they saw um, drought as a judgment from God, right, as part of the curse um, for sin. They also saw the renewal of the ground or the return of rain as God showing favor on them, right? Um, they saw lack of you know, uh, fertility amongst, say, their livestock or even their own family um, as a sign of judgment, right? So, um, but then renewal, of course, is a sign of God's favor. 
and all for the sake of Christ, the sake of righteousness, right, and justice. That is, that's all a confession of Jesus, whom the Spirit brings. Okay, we're going to talk about the reading from Acts, another uh, promise of the Spirit, or a work of the Spirit. Actually, the promise of the Spirit came from, from Isaiah, but the, uh, the fruit, or I should say the action of the Spirit, will be seen here in Acts chapter 8. Yesterday we were in Acts 10. All right. <clears throat> so this is coming, by the way, in the context of um, Saul's persecution of the church. He has not yet had his Damascus Road experience. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power, the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Right? And then uh, the actual pointed text here is verse 14 through 17. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had, not, he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Right, then back to Simon. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that Anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Ouch. Then Simon answered and said, Pray the Lord for me, that none of the things which you have spoken, may come upon me. So, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. All right. So, Simon the sorcerer, sometimes called Simon Magus. Magus, yeah, which is like magi, right? Um, could be magician, if you prefer. Simon the magician. All right. So let's um, let's do some questions and answers. And again, um, the focus here is on the gift of the Spirit in verses 14 through 17, fitting for Pentecost Tuesday. But I think uh, it, uh, we do well to see the whole context here with, with Simon. All right. And also the context of why Philip was there preaching the gospel anyway is because Saul, the great persecutor of the church, had uh, scattered the apostles all over the place, which is uh, exactly what needed to happen. Go and uh, make disciples by baptizing, right? Uh, and teaching all things um, I have given you to guard, Matthew 28. So the apostles, um, what did they do? Well, where should we start here? Yeah, we can jump back here a little bit. Okay. Um, 
So we have this persecution. This comes after the death of Stephen. Of course, you remember Saul was at um, Stephen's stoning. So they're scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, uh, except for the apostles are are back um, still in Jerusalem. right? And uh, Stephen, by the way, Stephen, there were devout men who buried him and lamented his death. All right, so Philip goes to Samaria. And uh, how was he received? Ah, it says there, um, with one accord, they heeded his words and saw his miracles, right? Those miracles that were promised upon the apostolic band, right? Um, but there's something notice, uh, notable about this, right? Even though the Samaritans were despised by the Jews, right? They listened to the words of the Lord. So we already see that the gospel is for all people. Um, then we have the great cries of the unclean spirits in verse 7, which of course um, should remind us of of the cries that just came in the previous chapter at the stoning of Stephen when they cried out at Stephen's quote-unquote blasphemy. Right? All right. And then the preaching of Philip brought great joy to the city. Uh, we, then we meet this Simon character, right? Simon, um, who had previously practiced sorcery in the city um, and was astonished by it. The city was astonished by him, claiming that he could do something great, that the great power of God was on him. Um, of course, power, the word for power is dunamis, right? Like dynamite. Um, it's distinct from um, exousia, which is authority, right? But I believe that's right. I think this is the power word and not the authority word. Let me make sure I'm not speaking out of turn. We are in uh, great joy. Where's the power? Verse 10, right? All right. And came up. Yep, dunamis. Right, so hey, uh, dunamis to theu, hey megale, right, megala, mega, mega power, <laughs> mega dynamite, <laughs> if you like, to be literal. All right, um, in Luke's gospel, and then in Acts, we find that uh, power uh, is almost always connected to the Spirit who descends upon Christ at His baptism, and then with the promise of the Father for the church. Power is connected to the name of Jesus. And Peter's preaching and the works in Jerusalem, Stephen's work in Jerusalem. And then we'll be also attached to the works of Paul, this word for power. Um, but does Simon have the gift of the Holy Spirit? Not at this point, right? So it's a false power. And we should recognize this, that um, many people who seem to have power over us or against us have no power at all in comparison to the power of God that is ours in the Spirit. So we, we should not be ashamed to call out people um, for false exercises of power uh, or authority, right? Power games, that sort of thing. All right. Um, so they had, but they had uh, heeded Simon for a long time because um, he continued to astonish them, right? Then there's this phrase um, that they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, which connects us, of course, to um, um, the gift of God uh, in baptism, Right to the Jews and the Gentiles is is spoken of by Jesus and and by the apostles as from the least to the greatest. You see, um, so there is no distinction that way. Um, they took heed, meaning um, they they listened to the words, right? And so they heeded the words of Philip, but they also took heed of the sorceries of Simon. All right, so then um, Philip comes preaching concerning what the things of the kingdom of God and in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, so Chris is asking whether Simon's heart's changed. Um, we're going to see here, right? So first, um, the people believed and were baptized, both men and women, and also Simon believed 
and was baptized. So is his heart changed? Yes. Right. Um, I think Simon's failing or fault is that um, he's lacking catechesis. <laughs> right. And uh, that's going to be straightened out by Peter somewhat harshly, I think. All right. But believe and be baptized is what Philip has been preaching. And of course, that's what Peter himself preached at Pentecost. So that's the, the work of the church. Matthew 28, to go and make, go disciple making by preaching forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is received in baptism. That's what we're, that's how you make a disciple. <sighs> All right. And what did Simon do after he was baptized? Notice he uh, continues with Philip. And now his heart is changed. He's amazed by Philip seeing the miracles and signs which were done. But of course, we know there's a, there's a um, shortcoming in trusting in miracles and signs, right? We don't look to the sign or the miracle. We look to the word of God behind it for our trust, right? So that's key, um, clear. Previously, um, Simon had done amazing things, but now it's Philip whose um, apostolic testimony is being confirmed by these signs. Yeah, so he got better after catechesis, right? Um, no one is, no one is uh, completely uh, understanding, faithful, or even... Uh, believes in harmony with the word of God immediately, right? This is why coupled to baptism is teaching the things that God has commanded um, his church to guard, to tarot, to hold fast to, okay? So ongoing reception of God's word is necessary to remain in baptism, uh, at least in the faith given in baptism, All right? So then um, to our to our specific text for the day, 14 through 17, what did the apostles do when they heard that the word of God had been received in Samaria? Of course, they sent Peter and John there. Philip's not, you know, Philip's not that important. <laughs> Send Peter and John. And, uh, and the Samaritans had received the word of God. Um, people receiving the word of God, that's, a, that's actually a key phrase in the Acts of the Apostles. So in Acts 2, Acts 11, Acts 17, we're going to keep hearing this word uh, as you read through the book, that they received the word of God, it means to come to faith in Christ for salvation. It's just, it's a, it's a uh, idiom for speaking of, if you receive the word, then that means you you believe in Jesus for your salvation. Okay? Um, variation of the phrase occurs all throughout. Again, at Peter's, Peter's preaching at, at Pentecost, um, Philip's preaching, as we just heard, the Gentiles believing the preaching of Christ's death and resurrection um, in the story of Cornelius and Caesarea, which we looked at yesterday. And then the Bereans, which is in Acts 17, who received the word of God with all readiness and searched the scriptures after the Jews at Thessalonica had rejected the preaching of the death and resurrection of Jesus. So you have the, as the uh, Acts of the Apostles uh, unfolds, you find increasingly that the Jews reject the preaching of the Apostles, but Gentiles receive it, like the Bereans. This is all, of course, connected to the third article, which we just confessed a few moments ago, right? Where does faith come from? Faith is 100% top to bottom, in and out, um, a gift of the Holy Spirit working through the word. I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me to by the gospel. Or to just to say it in the way of Paul, uh, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That's 1 Corinthians 12. So wherever the gospel is preached and believed, there the Holy Spirit uh, is working to call sinners to faith. So that's how the Holy, that's how uh, the Samaritans had been um, brought to faith, right? Uh, they were called by the Spirit through the preaching of the gospel of the crucified and risen Lord. Um, 
And then, uh, but Peter and John uh, do something interesting here, and this is uh, um, worth our consideration for a few moments here, is that uh, they prepared to give the Holy Spirit. Well, wait a minute. The Holy Spirit has called them by the gospel. They've been baptized in the name of Jesus. Haven't they already received the Spirit? No, it's quite explicit. Right? Luke, Luke is clear. The Holy Spirit had not yet fallen upon them because they'd only been baptized in the name of Jesus. So the apostles wanted to confirm publicly that the Samaritan believers were Christians just as much as um, the Hebrew Christians of Judea. So there's a distinction here. And uh, the Holy Spirit has not come upon them actually for the sake, I would say, of Peter and John and the rest of the apostles, that they might uh, confirm the conversion and then bless the people um, as a confirmation of that. Of course, the baptized always received the gift of the Holy Spirit. That was back in Acts 2, verse 38 and 39. It's the Holy Spirit that calls people to faith through the gospel. Holy baptism, of course, is the outward sign that is connected with the promise of the Spirit, right, in order that our conscience might rejoice with certainty um, that we've received the Spirit and that we are children of the Heavenly Father, of course, right? And then the Holy Spirit continues to be poured out upon the baptized again and again, through all the gifts that he's appointed. You heard this in the sermon on Sunday, through the Lord's promise in baptism, right? Wherever the gospel is proclaimed, wherever sins are being forgiven, absolution, where the baptized faithful are given ears to hear, where the supper is given for forgiveness, life, and salvation. There the Spirit is at work, all right? Uh, but here, um, these are uh, some, somehow in this in-between, right? So when they lay hands on them, then the Samaritan believers receive the Spirit um, whose presence has been confirmed with the signs that accompanied the Holy Spirit poured out at Pentecost. All right. Now, when Simon sees this, things get a little bit sideways, right? And this is always the deal with a new recent convert, right? Which is why recent converts don't become pastors. Is that there's things to work out yet. The Spirit still has work to do, all right? Um, so he offers them money um, to give them, so that they he would receive some of that power to lay on hands and to deliver the Spirit. I don't think he's acting outside of faith. Um, and that um, he, he wants to, I, it sounds like he's actually wanting to aspire to the office of apostle, right? Uh, but that's not been given to him, right? So uh, he's trying to back channel, backdoor his way into uh, the office of the ministry here. And that's not how it goes. <laughs> you don't get to appoint yourself to be pastor um, or apostle in this case, right? It has to be appointed by the Lord. And so, uh, uh, Peter curses his money, right? Your money perish with you, right? Thinking you can purchase a gift from God with money. You heard this on Sunday. Not with gold or silver, with his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death, right? You cannot buy salvation. You can't purchase your way into heaven, right? Um, and so Peter says his heart is not right with God. That's an interesting expression, isn't it? His heart is not right with God. Um, consider this, Psalm 78. Yeah, here we go. They flattered him with their mouths. They lied to him with their tongues. Their heart was not steadfast toward him. They were not faithful to his covenant. Yet he, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. Right? Um, and there's many more texts here about the heart in Acts. Um, you can look at it in chapter 7, chapter 8 here, uh, chapter 15, chapter 16. Right? Righteousness of heart um, is described here as, and he does not have righteousness of heart. He has what? Wickedness of heart. Your heart is not right. So to have your heart be made right um, is to um, be in the faith. Uh, in particular, let's look at uh, Acts 16. 
think that one might be helpful. This is with Paul um, in Troas, I think. Yeah, of Thyatira. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household uh, as well, she urged us saying, you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord. Come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. All right. Um, Chris says, it's a wonder he wasn't stoned. Well, here's the problem. The commandment to stone the blasphemer was actually completed or fulfilled in the death of Christ. Christians don't stone blasphemers. Yeah. Um, now, it is true that uh, Peter and, the, and John and the other apostles, they hold on pretty tight to the old traditions like circumcision, um, even though those have been um, done away with or fulfilled in Jesus. Right. Um, we've already, I think we talked about it yesterday. Yeah, because Peter will have the vision of the, uh, the unclean and the clean and the common or the uncommon. All right. And that the, um, the vision from heaven, Jesus tells him that it's no longer necessary to make such distinctions. All right. Um, yeah. So the preservation of the name and reputation of God um, is entirely the work of the Spirit now. It does not require such kind of uh, legal, uh, re- you know, force, I suppose. All right, so Peter tells Simon to repent, of course, of his wickedness, and to pray God that the thought of his heart would be forgiven him. Right? Pray for forgiveness. This is what the Christians do, being both 100% saint of God by declaration of God, believe and be baptized, but also, still in the flesh, 100% sinner, all right, in rebellion to God's word and opposed. So that's all Peter's doing is pointing out, eh, with harsh terms, but still, pointing out to Simon on the sin that still clings to his flesh, right? All right, and then uh, Peter could see that Simon was poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity, right? We have no reference as to how Peter knew that except, again, by the some kind of insight that the Spirit has given him, all right? So it, um, this is also true when it comes to pastoral care, but I think parents understand this too with children, is that often the symptoms that we see are a sign of a greater illness, right? Um, spiritually speaking. So uh, a, a child might be, I mean, even physically this happens, right? Um, is that they might be a grump, but it may just be simply because they have constipation or or um, they're sick, you know, or there's some kind of dietary issue or something like that, right? And so if you can deal with the greater, the greater um, illness, then the symptoms might, might go away, right? So Simon's behavior, Peter sees as a sign of a greater sickness, right? Um, that there's still, like I said, more work for the Spirit to, to do. And it comes through um, the call to repentance here by Peter and the ongoing reception of God's word. And so Simon asked that Peter would pray for him that none of these things come upon him, right? That is, the judgment of God would not come upon him. Beautiful, right? And they continue to preach it to the Samaritans, <laughs> as Jesus himself did. All right, here we see the work or gifts of the Holy Spirit associated with the apostolic office. The apostles Peter and John pray that the Lord would pour out his Spirit upon the Samaritans according to the promise of baptism. The work of giving the Spirit is not Philip's work or the apostles' work, neither is it the work of the people who are being baptized. The gift of the Spirit is the Lord's work and is for all whom the Lord will call to faith by the gospel. The laying on of the apostles' hands confirms that this promised gift of the Holy Spirit and faith in Christ is for the Samaritans as well as 
for the Hebrew Christians in Jerusalem and Judea. The Holy Spirit is given by the apostles who stand in Christ's stead and have been authorized by him um, to confirm his ministry among the nations. When the apostles act, Jesus is acting, bestowing his Holy Spirit, who works faith when and where he pleases, in the hearts of those who hear the gospel. The gift of the Holy Spirit, like salvation in Christ, is not a magic trick that can be purchased with money or some magical power that one might get through his own efforts. The power is the power of God that is freely given to those who are set apart by the laying on of hands to preach the gospel of the crucified and risen Lord. They exercise this power by preaching and administering the sacraments of Christ. In the apostles' confirmation of Philip's baptism, we are also to see the confirmation that his baptisms give the Holy Spirit, because he too, along with the apostles, has been set apart by the laying on of hands, by word and by prayer, to minister the Spirit in Christ's church. Beautiful. All right, let's pray for the gift of the Spirit upon us as well.
right. I don't think we have a commemoration today. Let me make sure for the Tuesday after Pentecost today. There we go. Uh, no, I don't see one. All right, good. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, the two swords of the disciples were enough to show themselves as sinners, fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah that you would be numbered with the transgressors. Yet you promised that they would eat and drink with you at your table in your kingdom, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Help us to remember that you invite transgressors to your holy supper, where we are welcomed to receive the forgiveness of all our sins. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Right, let me find another collect for this day. That one didn't seem quite like the one we want. All right. What is today? Today is May 30th. Ah, yes, here we go. No collect for the day? Huh. All right, well, we'll pray uh, the collect for this week then. O God, on this day you once taught the hearts of your faithful people by sending them the light of your Holy Spirit. Grant us in our day by the same Spirit to have a right understanding in all things, and evermore to rejoice in his holy consolation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I pray this day for deliverance against temptation and evil, for the addicted and despairing, for the tortured and oppressed, and for those struggling with sin. We also pray uh, with Paige celebrating baptism, with Ray and Susie celebrating their anniversary today. Pray for the households of our church, especially this week with Stephen and Jackie, Norman, Sandy, Jennifer, Catherine, Amanda, Doug, and Teresa. Pray in Thanksgiving the service of our uh, teachers, Mrs. Polster, who's retiring, Mrs. Larson, who is moving to a new field of service. Pray for our catechumens. Pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Dale and Pam, Joe, Kelsey, Marion, Naomi, Christopher, Marcy, Brad, Gus and Eileen, Ron, Doug, Hoshea, Pat, Wade, Wendell, and Darlene. Pray for our homebound, Marcella, Walt, Dan, Paul, Dolores, Merlin, and Pauline. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially the work of Lutherans for Life. And we pray with those grieving uh, the death of Gady, uh, David Gady, who died in the Lord last night, especially Karen and Don. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, it's been good to have you here with us today for our Congregation of Prayer, Guide for Daily Meditation and Prayer around God's Word. Again, it's Wednesday, May 30th. Um, I hope you had a good holiday. And uh, tomorrow we'll be here again, 9 a.m. for prayer. We're going to start our summer series, which will be uh, fun, I think. Uh, we're going to read in parallel from uh, Matthew. So we're going to go through the gospel according to Matthew all summer and Isaiah. So we're going to hear, uh, we're going to read through all of Isaiah and all of Matthew this summer. So I hope you can join us each morning for that. And uh, I think that'll be a blessing to us all. Um, not necessarily uh, doing heavy or intense catechesis on it, just just uh, simply hearing that word. Right? 
All right, so that's the plan. And well, that will start uh, tomorrow and tomorrow evening, uh, seven o'clock, one more time, uh, we'll have our uh, Pentecost Wednesday service. We're gonna uh, consider, uh, well, I don't wanna spoil it. So there you go. You'll see us see me tomorrow. God be with you and keep you safe and have a, have a joyful day. It's beautiful. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sherman Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.